Exegesis. Hello and welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, a podcast in which two men, most at home in the company of their own thoughts, pretend to take an interest in each other's opinions on Steely Dan. I, Andrew Souter, am being led song by song through their back catalogue by South Birmingham's chief Steely Dan boar. It's the otherwise likeable Oliver Piper. <laughs> what was that? That's been a boar. Oh, like a like a pig. Like a wild boar. I see. Very good. This season, mm-hmm. we are looking at album two, Countdown to Ecstasy, an album which Ollie thinks is going to initiate me into the tribe of Dan. That's a biblical reference, you know. I got that from a, the tribe of the Dan. tribe of Dan is a, an Old Testament tribe. Yeah, some sort of apocalyptic sect. Couldn't tell you. And today we're talking about Razor Boy. <laughs> Woohoo! Song facts for Razor Boy. Hit me. Would you like to know all of the exciting tidbits? Slice me up about Razor Boy. More this time than Bodhisattva. Mm-hmm. I felt you were. I felt the disappointing facts only compounded your bad mood last week. Yeah, I did feel quite bitter about that whole segment. You have to remember that it's not just for you. Like, no, I know, I know. Lis- listeners want context. I know you're not interested whether it was the B-side to the Time Out of Mind single. but Not at all. No, but, you know, that's not the point. Sure. There are thousands on the other end of these microphones. <laughs> Just waiting to know something that they could find out by searching for the song yeah. on Discogs. Yeah. Can I guess a song That's, fact? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say that this song has never been p- performed live. I wouldn't know that. Uh, I didn't check that. Okay. Maybe we could throw that out I, to the, uh, the listenership. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's one thing I should check, really. Mm. Okay. Razor Boy is the only song in the Steely Dan catalogue to include the phrase women in cages. That is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get let's get the contextual one out of the way first. Razor Boy was not a single. This is this is a, a deep cut, mm-hmm. a very well regarded deep cut. It was released as the B side of a Showbiz Kids single. Yep. That's the boring one, right? Now you're just gonna be now you're just gonna be stoked like a little choo choo. Right? Okay. Well, let me sit down for this bit. So, did you know that this song originally had a reggae drum part? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. And it was replaced after all the other stuff was almost done. That's almost verbatim from the liner but notes. Hang on, so was it like, um, was it half time or double time? <laughs> right. Rather than. You know? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was that one? Was that the second one? It's a bit. It's a, well, it's a bit Latin. I thought you were mimicking a Latin drum part. Oh, you see, the, I I um I froze mid impression because my drummer friend Nathan like schooled me about reggae beats mm. in an Indian restaurant, basically saying you know you, you don't know what you're talking Ooh, about. Culture clash. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a, a very delicious fusion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it turns out that what I thought was a reggae beat because I learnt it when I was learning the drums at school. Is in fact like never used in reggae music, so I started to no, do. It's probably used in like children's reggae songs. Yeah, and the grade five drum syllabus, which I yeah. studied. But anyway, I've you know, so I then panicked when I started doing my reggae impression. Mm-hmm. So, but that's um, interesting though. So Hodder is a many faceted beast. Well, of course, you've heard him sing. I have heard him sing. Uh, mm-hmm. I've also heard him play um, sort of rock drums and like vaguely 
Latin drums. Mm-hmm. So he's a beast of many feathers. Mm-hmm. And he was a psychedelic rocker. Yes, in Bead Game. I'm just showing that I, I listen. If I had little gold sticker stars, yeah. I'd stick them all over your f- where your face is on my screen. When I said that, I did feel like I was uh, sucking up to teacher. <laughs> it made me feel very pleased. Okay, good. You're going to love this next fact. Okay. This is Jeff Skunk Baxter's favourite Steely Dan song. Really? Joint favourite. He names this and Charlie Freak from the next album. Okay. But how does that make you feel? Because you and Skunk have had a chequered history, haven't you? We've had a fractious uh, past. I would say Mm -hmm. that the reason... Basically, I've been working through my relationship with Skunk. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when when I first uh, kind of blew my lid, temper-wise... About uh, yeah, about thanks, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> well, it just sounded a bit like I jizzed everywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. In the episode we did, where I had was like learning about skunk, ba- skunk Baxter's politics and later career, you posited that the reason that I uh, was so upset was because I saw something of myself in Skunk, although he is a far superior musician than me. That I kind of identify with him in some way. So to find out that he's like a a hawk really upset mm-hmm. me. I think that's. Yeah, I think that's. I, 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 can I just say I didn't exactly say that. Like, mm. what it is, Andrew, is you are like <laughs> talent and you know image wise, you are the, the a mirror yeah. of Skunk. Really, yeah. what I said is he's a nice guitar man with a nice big mustache. Mm. Well, I'm one of those things. Mm-hmm. My point is that I have come round to this way of thinking. I think that every time my ears prick up while listening to Steely Dan, it's because Skunk Baxter is doing some sweet, sweet pedal steel. And uh, I, I think he's an amazing player, and it's just gutting that he is such a dickhead. Yeah, I mean, you've extrapolated his politics a little bit, but we'll... No, 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 no. We'll, he, we'll, well, let, we'll... Yeah, let's not go down that, um, that foxhole. That skunk hole. Mm, nice. What do, what do skunks live in? Do they mm, live in holes? Warrens. Sets. <laughs> skunk sets. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you think the reason that he, he says The Razor Boy is his favourite song... Is because the Razor Boy is like a military nickname for a piece of hardware, like there's a grenade launcher or something called a Razor Boy. No, I think this is a lush, deep song, and it's like it, this song is like a well full of custard, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, silky custard, right? And Skunk has, Skunk is a more emotional man than you give him credit for, and he would hang on to the bucket and descend into that. Custody well with you. <laughs> really? Any day of the week. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when, when you say he's, he's more emotional than I give him credit for, mm-hmm. do you just mean that he laughs when like children are orphaned abroad? No, I mean that, he's, I mean that he can appreciate a song of such beauty and depth <laughs> as Razor Boy, <laughs> whereas you have caricatured him in your mind mm. to be this kind of like uh, the, the, incre- the incredible Hulk of Ronald Reagan, you know, if Ronald Reagan gets too angry, mm. he go he, he turns instead of turning right, green, right, he turns right. all. He gets a big mustache and you know starts mm-hmm. shooting missiles from a guitar. <laughs> yeah. So so moving on, um, so yeah, a well liked song, also one of Gary Katz's favorite songs from the album. Mm-hmm. He said, and I quote, "I'm a Drifters fan." And there's something about that song that reminds me of the Drifters, so I like that one a lot. <laughs> right. 
I was going to say, before you did that impression, I was going to ask you, can you paint us a picture of Gary Katz? Because of the Steely Dan, of the tribe of Dan, he's like the member I have the least, I, I'm least able to visualise him or to picture what he's like. No, you're quite, yeah, no, and I think I'm pretty much the same. Him and Denny um, Diaz, I've no idea what Denny Diaz is like either. He looks a little like Frank Zappa. Is this Katz we're talking about? Katz, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. He's got, he's got that sort of look about him, tall, hairy, mm-hmm. kind of wiry. Yeah, because presumably at know. this point he was like the George Martin of Steely Dan. Oh yeah, two albums in, yeah. they, they went back to him and they went back to him many more times. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, he's a bit of a mystery. Mm. Mm. By that, do you mean that you don't know anything about him? Yeah. Okay, great. In the, in the, in the same way that like neuroscience is a mystery to me. Yeah, 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 precisely. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. no. Um, if you if I actually like Google Gary Katz, I could learn <laughs> some things, but I've never had the inclination. Sorry, Gary, I'm sure you're great. Yeah. Basically, my point, my overall point in this is that people rate this song highly, mm-hmm. despite it not being talked about a massive. You know, it's no really in the years. It's not. No. It's not one you're going to hear going around Macy's. Are you, so trying, are you trying to appeal Macy's. to the American listeners? Yeah, I am. Yeah, mm. I really, really transparent. Bloomingdale's. Um, Bloomingdale's, Harrods. You're not going to hear, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to hear Razor Boy, but it's well liked. Would you like to hear some reviews from the time? Uh, sure. So Rolling Stone described this song and the next one, uh, Boston Rag, as being rather nondescript. Well, all five of them said that. Don't be, don't be awful. Next. <laughs> Billboard, however, described it as one of the best cuts on the record. Oh, old William Board. Mm-hmm. Billboard, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, covers, uh, okay. Um, Billy Goodrum, mm-hmm. film composer. Mm-hmm. He covered it for the Me, Myself and Irene soundtrack. Is that the one with Jim Carrey as the uh, schizophrenic? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you'll, you'll see a lot of those because, you know, um, it was all Steely Dan songs. Really? So yada yada. Sorry, um, can we just dwell on that for a second? So the Me, Myself and Irene soundtrack is entirely comprised of Steely Dance songs? Well, not entirely, but there's a... I, well, look, I haven't seen the film, but I guess there's something... I guess it makes sense in the context of the film. There's a lot of Steely Dan songs right. on the soundtrack. That's a... But, but covered by other people, like fucking Sugar, Sugar Ray and... Right. Um, whoever else, uh, you know, LFO. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. LFO. Okay, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> and nightmares on wax doing midnight no, cruiser. That's uh, that's uh, light funky ones. I meant not the. Uh, oh, I thought you meant the, the kind of... warp records. Uh, no, uh... no, no, that would be it's like that would be a sound to behold, mm. to be here. Yeah, and then that's the only real cover, you know, to mm. uh, to to cast scorn on YouTube, which is full of covers. But that's the only one that's like properly released. But that's that's the facts. Okay, well. Uh, in the next segment, I'm going to bring a fact of my own. Ooh. Vibe. Noun. A vibraphone. So do you want to go first? Do you want to hit us with your vibe? Yeah. Well, my vibe is intended to provoke. It's intended to provoke oh. discussion later on in the episode. So this is not my, f- this is not like 100% what I think. It's an exaggeration of what I think in order to get some conversational juices flowing. Vibe. A member of a knitting club thinks he's being subversive by embroidering a massive cock. Yeah, okay, I think I see what you're getting at. What do you think I'm getting at? 
Well, I won't. I won't say that. You can ask me later. Okay. All right. right I'm just gonna. Second. I'm gonna leave it there then. It's like you know the um, what's the artist who won the Turner Prize who would do like a, a an urn and then there'd be a somebody being fellated like painted on the the urn. Yeah, I think that's most people who won the Turner Prize. Right. Fit into that sort of category. Not that I've got anything against contemporary art. No. I must say. No, no, no. It did sound but, a bit like you do, but. It does sound a bit yeah. like I was being a cantankerous, like, if it doesn't look like a peach, it's not art. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Mm. I could sculpt a child and put a direct knob on its face. Well, the thing is, I couldn't knit a massive cock. No. But I also don't... But if you could, would you? <laughs> uh, I would if commissioned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but not just off, off my own bat. Well, I mean, if you wanted to knit a cuddly, steely Dan... You would be effectively knitting a massive cock. Because a Steely Dan is a dildo. Yeah, it's mm. a it's a big pneumatic dildo mm. from, from William Burroughs. I don't think we've mentioned that. Surely we I have. I honestly don't think we've mentioned that really basic Steely Dan fact. It's it's from Naked Lunch, which you've probably read, and I, I have, haven't. I've never read The Naked Lunch. Okay. Well, yeah, we need to dig out the quote so, so we know exactly what we're um, mm. fondling here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's got, it's got quite a description. I, I remember. Yeah, we'll look at that. Do you want to hear my vibe? Yeah, no, I would. My vibe is a waterbed with a slow puncture. Nice. Oh, Ollie, you're very good. You're very good at what you do. I just like to say that. Thank you. It's kind of similar to my massive cock embroidery. I think I'm coming from a slightly kinder angle. Like I say, I'm trying to sort of poke you a little bit. You know, with your. <laughs> massive knitted cock. Massive knitted cock. But, uh, you know, I think we're basically saying the same thing here. There is a, a sort of surface smoothness to the song, which is pitted against mm-hmm. some dark lyrics. Isn't it exciting? Not really. <laughs> Would you want to... <laughs> this is this is going to be a feature of this series, at least, right? Mm. Because they effectively... The, the song summing up notes in the original liner notes are very much like our vibes. So we're gonna have we can we can actually look at Becker and Fagan's vibes for for each of these songs. Oh, cool! Uh, it's it's gonna make absolutely zero sense though, it's particularly this one. Um, so Razor Boy vibe, the legendary giant girlfriend of the Camden, New Jersey area, sees the spectre of Benny King as a child in a nightmare of cosmic proportions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who is Benny King? <gasps> Was he in the well, Drifters? Yeah. Okay. So that so that's Ben E King. Right. Now yeah. they don't spell it like that. They spell it as Benny B E double N Y. Mm-hmm. Um. Or, well, just do do you have any feelings about it before I explain my? Well, I don't have an exegesis of the whole thing because it's it's nonsense. But did 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 that did that tone poem give you any itching? Well, it it played into a a reading of the song lyric which I was slightly uncomfortable with. So mm. I think... I mean, this is totally jumping ahead to lyrics. But I'll allow I think I'll allow You'll it. allow it. Okay, so I think that there is... Potentially there is like an incel reading of this song. Okay. We don't need to go into particulars, but it's like, essentially, the singer has no friends. He's trying to make a hot girl laugh. She's not laughing. She's with some other guy. He sees her as mm-hmm. a, a woman in a cage who lays down in a, in a kind of consequence-free present with no regard for Mr. Fagan and his amazing intellect. But <laughs> but the joke's on her because the razor boy is going to come and slit her up or whatever. It's kind of unpleasant, okay. right? It's, you know, but that occurred to me... How, as, does that, so, how does that tie into 
sorry, sorry. So the legendary go, well, giant girlfriend. giant girlfriend of Camden Town, wherever it was. She is the she's legendary because she's hot because this is the seventies. So like she wouldn't be legendary for anything else. She is like a local hot lady, and she meets Benny King, who encapsulates possibly like forties <laughs> slickness. Like he's a Chad in incel. <laughs> Terminology, right? Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of this is taking place. So the legendary the legendary hottie and and the sort of archetypal swashbuckling sex man are meeting in Donald Fagan's Cosmic Nightmare. Oh, okay. Because as far okay. as he's concerned, the meeting of these two people is so offensive to him as a great wit and, uh, you know, talented pianist that it's like his world is just collapsing around him. So why is Benny King, the incorrectly spelt Benny King, a child in this Nightmare of Cosmic Proportions? I, I forgot that detail. Yeah. Because, okay, here's why. It's because Donald Fagan is attacking these people for being shallow and living in, like I say, a sort of consequence-free, like, eternal present. They shed no tears. They think there's no tomorrow. You know, they're just, like, superficial, hollow people. Uh, like children. <laughs> I mean, I don't think children are like that, but Donald Fagan's a jerk, so he may have thought that children were were empty. Well, you know, this is this is great. This is what the listeners come for. They come for your Cambridge-educated mm-hmm. readings of things like this. I don't think you need to have gone to Cambridge to... And <laughs> they, they come for my willing to go the extra mile right. in research. Right, because... And I, I'm, this this isn't gonna this isn't gonna flip the whole reading of of the Becca Fagan vibe on its head, right? Mm-hmm. But I just I the the misspelling of Benny King mm. just just got to me. Wow, you're like so you're I, like Inspector Morse or something. Incredible. Yeah, so you I just you just up, sniffed a a little a little red herring. So Benny. So obviously Ben's a dream. Ben, ben. Ben's a dream. Ben. The Benny King no, is a drug no, dealer. No, no, no. You're barking up the wrong okay. patio, okay. right? Ben. E obviously is the soulful singer man. Yeah. Benny B double N Y is apparently slang in the Jersey Shore area for loud, flashy, vulgar tourists from North Jersey or New York. So, because he's okay. set this, because Becker and Fagan, I should say, have set this in the New Jersey area, are they making a reference to the Jersey slang? When the Benny King appears, uh, is he like the? Is this person the king of all Bennies? Is he like the flashiest, most overweight and Hawaiian-shirted tourist of them all? Right. Sorry. When you say it's set in Jersey, do you mean the vibe is because of the mention of the vibe Camden? is set in Jersey? Yeah, the legendary giant girlfriend of the Camden, New, New Jersey area. Oh right. Sorry, I forgot that. Sees but, yeah. the spectre of Benny King. The King Benny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's plausible that uh, Steely Dan would be that mean as to be on a beach in New Jersey and just point at somebody and be like, hey, that guy's, you could say he's the Benny King, <laughs> you know, and then they have a little, sure. little chuckle amongst themselves. Like, yeah, hey, Dan, stick I mean, that on for, the line. Uh, and under this, under this, you know, Gary Katz is Benny, just going, go, yeah, oh, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, don't, 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 don't. Yeah. I don't think you should be quite so mean. I mean, you're gonna well. you're gonna cut yourselves one of these days. You're so sharp. <laughs> There's nobody ever said to Steely Dan. 
Um, well, look, I mean, they would be considered Bennies because they're from up, up north, you know, they're from New York. Yeah, so. but they would see themselves as, as uh, well, somehow better could, yeah. than, a, than a, a vulgar tourist because they know, well, they know about I jazz. Think, I, think you're, I think you're extrapolating here a lot mm. based on your own. I mean, the whole thing about about Donald Fagan being angry for having no friends was <laughs> no. a little bit of a fiction. That, that from your like giant caricature of the of the he said be- pagan there head. is a quote on the fucking Wikipedia page where he says college was the only time I had any friends and in this song he's like how many friends what's the line how many friends do I have to have to begin with to make you laugh it's like you're only interested in the popular guys all right well you know we've got a time and a place for that and that is called the lyric section okay so I'm putting a stop to it now okay because you, you don't like my insight into, yeah well, for that. I hear you have something nice to show. Okay, so basically, well, this is sort of a song fact of my own. Uh, oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, when I was listening to this song, I thought, The Razor Boy. That sounds kind of uh, vaguely medieval or mythical, like you can imagine some sort of German like tapestry or something from mm. medieval mm. times, and there's like a, like a Grim Reaper type figure, and he's known as the Razor Boy or whatever. So mm. I did a bit of digging. Something to scare children. Something to scare children, yeah. So I did a bit of digging, and, and basically it is based on that. So there's a German folk tale called uh, Der Chassier Messerjunge, which is <laughs> Razor Boy <laughs> wow, okay. in German. And uh, I did a bit more digging, and basically there's an archive in Dortmund where they there's lots of kind of like... You are, you are impressing me here, Suta. Yeah, they've got like an archive of like woodcuts and like uh, poems and, and so forth. And I had the weekend off, so I decided to, to actually fly out to, uh, to the archive just to have a, like, have a look around, see what I could find, maybe something to bring to the pod. And it's a lovely, it's a lovely town. I don't know if you've been uh, to Dortmund. No, 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 I've never, I've never been to Dortmund. Tell me, tell me everything. It's charming. A lovely cafe culture, nice uh, cathedral, a uh, big statue of a cow. It's really, like, mm. I'd really recommend it, like, if you're passing through. Um, but anyway, mm. so I went there with the express purpose of having to dig through the... Uh, the archives and see what, seeing what I could find. Uh, had a lovely weekend. I had a strange feeling like all weekend that I was being watched. Mm. Um, it was a bit like that film The Vanishing. I don't know if you've seen The Vanishing, the, no, the okay. Dutch horror from the 80s where like, you know, I'd be sitting in a cafe and basically there was this guy who's like, he had like a, a green velvet waistcoat and like a flat cap mm. and he was like, okay. and shades and he was kind of like looking kind of towards me but sort of slightly past me as well. And then I saw him again at the train station and, you know, it just felt like a bit off, like something was, was mm. not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds awful. Well, it was, dis- it was disconcerting, you know. Um, mm. Anyway, I found some quite cool stuff. I found, found a nice little, uh, yeah, good woodcut. Um, flew back Monday morning because I'd work. And when I got home, there was a, a parcel. Mm. There was a parcel uh, with no indication of, like, who it was from or, like... There was no return address, no note inside. There was just like a, an old reel-to-reel. How creepy. It was fucking, honestly, it was really creepy. So I went up to the attic and like got down the reel-to-reel player, dusted it all off, yeah. put it on, and, you know, just imagine how I felt when I, when I heard this. Okay. Boys and girls who will not learn to hold their tongues and speak in turn, for whom a doll or ghoul or drum is earthly pleasure's total sum, Heed the words your elders say, that on a cold and a windy day, the razor boy shall come. Beware 
child grow dark as coal. He comes to strip you of your joy and slit your tainted soul. Hark, against your bedroom door, his knuckles softly drum. Your prayers and veins lie frozen, for the razor boy has come, has come. Well, congratulations. That's the creepiest fucking thing I've ever heard. What? It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine getting that yeah. anonymously posted to your home address. Well, do you know what? You had you had me you had me going like totally on board with your like little um, yarn there, up until <laughs> so you whizzed there for the weekend. I totally believed that this was actually a German folktale. Did you? Yeah. Sorry, I, 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 I realised I'd been I'd been duped. I haven't duped you. Uh, I did go to Dortmund. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I did. Sorry to doubt. Yeah. And you ended and you got that in the post. Wow. Wow. And so yeah. frightening that it sounds exactly like you. <laughs> well, it sounds well. I think it sounds like me. Like maybe pitch shifted. Well, you, but, and yeah, with a bit of with know, a bit you of. Wouldn't know how to do that, would you? <laughs> no. I think maybe like. If you wanted to recreate that voice, you know, you you might take my recorded voice, pitch shift it down a couple of semitones, add some phaser, chorus, a bit of panning, like rapid panning. Okay. Um, and then like just yank up the treble just a little bit to like, because otherwise it was a bit sort of boomy. But I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what you're implying here. You know. Yeah. Wow. Well, haven't we all learnt something here? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've been well and truly outdone with the song facts to this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watch uh, when you sleep tonight, listeners. Watch out for the swippity snip, <laughs> the scratchity slice of the razor boy oh, the razor beneath boy. your bed. The music. One notable thing about the music that we should mention, gloss, is that this is the we're starting to see session players trickle in. Mm-hmm. Ray Brown played bass. Um, so a little a little stray song fact. Uh, apparently, according to Donald Fagan's drummer in the mid noughties mm-hmm. uh, this was the only time Steely Dan used acoustic bass on a record. Right. And then on Vibes, we have probably Victor Feldman. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did the percussion on "Do It Again," mm-hmm. and I think he probably does some percussion on this song as well. Mm. So, you know, this is Steely Dan's band album. As I said last time, it's written for a band from start to finish. Mm. A performing band, but but yet they're still going, Walter, take five. Yeah. Ray, Ray's going to Ray's gonna come in. And... I thought you were going to say Paul Desmond's here to play take five. Mm, no, sorry. Well, so this is part of the reason that I'm in a cheerier mood today uh, is that I'm excited by the fact that, like... Second song on the album, we've got like a little bespoke cool jazz combo have mm-hmm. just turned up. It's basically a jazz quartet, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. drums, double bass, piano. What am I missing? Vibes. Uh, and I think that's exciting because it suggests like they're thinking hard on each song about like what the instrumentation should be. So does this does this give you does this strike you as being musically more interesting than things on a previous album, for instance? Kind of, kind. Of. Well, no, not really. It's. Just, I guess it's just like I like the fact that I thought I'd got a handle on where we were heading with Body Sattva. I thought, okay, this is kind of like refined. It's like taking the rock element from Can't Buy a Thrill, and it's now more like studio polished, even more studio mm-hmm. polished. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, but yeah, but actually, so, but this is kind of why I was saying, oh, you need to hear Bodhisattva going to Razor Boy because I think I think that contrast is very deliberate. Yeah, and it's 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 it is cool because it's like an immediate it's... left turn, um, mm-hmm. and then I love that then we have pedal steel. Uh, well, you always this. a bit of uh... yeah, but I especially love it that it's in in the context of a like Brazilian style cool jazz song. Yeah, it just uh, uh, I mean it's yeah, I mean I don't want to gush too much now, mm. but. Um, <laughs> But musically, this is just... Mm. That's fireworks going off in my brain. Mm. But isn't that interesting that Bodhisattva is a firework display? It's them them cartwheeling on stage and, like, flexing their guns or whatever. But actually, this one is more more exciting to me. Well, no, I I agree. But I think, like, that's kind of what I was saying last week. It's It's almost like they have to get out of the way to go... Look, we can be a band that plays this like rip roaring rock and roll song. Yeah, yeah. Now here's Razor Boy. Mm. Um, funnily enough, talking of do it again. Um, sorry, so, talking of can't buy a thrill because mm. you said oh it's got this Latin groove things. Like for me, this is like a this is a bit like a coalescence, at least like texturally speaking, of some of some disparate elements from Can't Buy a Thrill, mm. but it's more interesting than any of them. So we kind of have like do it again rhythms, mm-hmm. sort of. Only a fool, um, dancing chords, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, and then kind of like the feel of Brooklyn or something. Like it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit more mournful. Mm. Um, well, the the song it put, puts me in mind of most is "Only a Fool" mm-hmm. because of just because of the uh, yeah that contrast of the groove and the lyrics. Now I've heard it said because Donald and Walt have said that like ninety five percent of their songs are collaborations; they're written collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard it said that of the different modes of Dan, Walter is more likely to have written the music for the kind of vampy, uh, sort of altered blues ones, mm-hmm. a la Bodhisattva, mm-hmm. whereas Donald is more the um, complex chord changes, mm. uh, Dylan-esque mm. songs. Mm-hmm. So I would place a hefty bet that this was a this was a donald number mm. based on that bit of hearsay mm. but yeah only a full chords it is like i talk about these modes of dan and this is a specific mode of dan where it's like it is in the same boat as only a fool or whatever it's kind of harmonically complex mm. in a horizontal way <laughs> if that makes sense well, like melodically you mean. like well, yeah, but like the chord, the chord changes mm-hmm. are kind of interesting. Yeah, more so than like the chords themselves. Not that more notes in a chord equals better. Yeah, by any means. But you know, I think later on we get we get the Dan using really kind of jazz chords, the mu chord, and and, and and yeah, well, yeah, and creating this kind of like very vertically layered harmonic. Mm-hmm thing going on whereas here it's more of a kind of like oh we're going to switch to an unexpected thing do you see what I, I mean do, yeah. um, and I agree but yeah um, it's a it's a lovely sounding thing which is what I was getting at with my waterbed it's a bit of a like it's it really is just like elegant and understated and cosy mm. and it feels like a complete like sensical package yeah despite making somewhat odd choices in terms of structure and in terms of um, instrumentation. Yeah. Well, I feel this is the first song we've listened to where it it's not clear what was influencing them. 
as mm. in it, it as you're you're saying it's like a coalescing of all these different elements that they'd explored on the previous album like to me this sound this doesn't really remind me of anything in particular mm. apart from like cool jazz i guess mm. uh yeah. in a, in a very broad sense uh and like the vocal harmonies again i think i mentioned this in the first series and you poo-pooed it gently but uh there's a bit of the Grateful Dead in the vocal harmonies. Like on the chorus of this, mm. I think it sounds a bit like Box of Rain or something, like a Grateful Dead song where they have the like harmonic harmony layers. But not well, enough you, well, for me you, to think. You did it. mention that, and yeah. I did I did kick back against it, but then we cut it from the actual episode because I was baselessly attacking the, the Grateful Dead without having any knowledge of the Grateful Dead. Right, right. So. Just, just to, just to own the fact that I, that <laughs> I heard. so completely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, okay, well, I have a question about this song. Yeah. Well, not, not, not about this song. More about like Steely Dan's place in rock history. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind, It's basically a jazz quartet, isn't it? They've got two jazz players in, uh, and the immediate reference point is is like Brazilian groovy jazz. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking. Like getting vibes on your song is sort of also places it in a lineage of like baroque pop, as in any mm. band, any pop band, like in the broadest sense in the seventies, is like a beneficiary of baroque pop. So like Pet Sounds, Sgt Pepper, The Left Bank, all of these bands where they're like dicking around with harpsichords and putting string quartets on stuff. You know mm. what I mean? So like every like bands in the seventies have a precedent for that of being like, oh, maybe we should just put a flugelhorn on here or whatever. Mm. Do you think that Becker and Fagan would acknowledge that as a reference point, or do you think they would say I, this is a jazz? This is our love of jazz coming through. I think. Well, yeah, I, uh, that's that's a. I haven't thought about that before. Um, but yeah, you can see you can so you can draw a line between something like, but pretty ballerina. Mm. Yeah, yeah. By the left bank in this. Yeah. And it's not that far removed in temporal terms. Yeah, it's like five years or something. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So, yeah. So, did did Steely Dan listen to Van Dyke Parks, mm. is what you're asking? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. I mean, I would be interested to know if they did. But I well, guess I'm... I'm yeah, still... I don't know that. But I think... Yeah, I'm saying sorry, more like... To answer would... your actual question, <laughs> I would say... Um, I would say they're more likely to say, uh, no, this is a using jazz yeah stuff because they i've seen them say like oh you know like we i think it was a recent interview it was in that great article that came out somewhat recently where which was about like the dan renaissance yeah yeah yeah. hipsters which we weren't asked to uh, take part in i know can you believe it i (laughs) mean outrageous it came out in like week one of the podcast (laughs) or something but no it came out after the end of season one oh really yeah by which point we'd had what like 800 listens yeah that article God. was called Reliving the Years, which is not a good title. Oh. But who has been reliving those years more keenly than you and I well, recently? We haven't, we haven't really got very far in the years stakes, have we? Well, we've been reliving 1972. We, we, we're like, what is it? What was it, like eight months between the albums? We, we've managed eight mm. months. Yeah. So. I still think we deserved an invitation to take part in that article. <laughs> And I was cross. <laughs> maybe maybe Fagan vetoed it. Maybe we are on his radar mm. and he's already... Um, yeah, he's heard your impression. Yeah. And me implying that he's an incel. <laughs> <laughs> Repeatedly. A lot, yeah. You do that a lot, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I don't know why. Um, yeah, but o- overall, 
this just is its own sonic world. It's uh, it's a real kind of joy to wallow in in a way that Steely Dan, a lot of Steely Dan tracks are like production wise, instrumentation wise, arrangement wise. It's just a lovely bed of soft bees mm. carrying you to some jazzy place on high. Mm-hmm. Uh, bees, yeah. Mm. Yeah, just like a, just like you know, it must be nice. They're carrying, they're, they're, you're just lying on them. They're forming like a sort of chariot. That sounds of awful. Bees. <laughs> that sounds, no, but they're not stinking. That you. sounds like a, pun- a just, punishment enough, from the razor boy. There's enough bees. He'd start vomiting bees, and then you, they'd sweep you up. And there are enough bees to buoy you up, and they're not stinging, and you just feel the little flutter of their wings against your back as they mm-hmm. take you, take you to the big jazz man in the sky. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about any of that. <laughs> Sorry, listeners can't, obviously can't uh, know why I'm laughing, but there was just a beautiful transition there where Ollie finished his B metaphor and then kind of put his hands together as if to say, moving on. And done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that aside... We can't talk... I think, I think musically speaking, I'll put it this way, I think musically speaking, we're listening to Steely Dan find their voice. Mm. However, we can't talk about the music and the finding of that voice without talking about the lyrics also mm. because again we're we're hitting on another dan trope which is soft bee chariot music <laughs> with yeah with sort of obtuse vaguely cutting lyrics mm. well that's we? what i was getting at with my uh, member of a knitting club club who thinks he's being subversive by embroidering a massive cock as in like the uh, the medium is soft and fluffy like a bed of bees mm-hmm. um but it's like fagin's kind of sitting there thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck with my with my audience they they think they're listening to a you know the girl from ipanema but actually i'm singing about suicide or drug addiction or whatever it is that we're talking about here which was which was attempted on album one yeah i think but maybe not as well. That's why it reminds me of Only a Fool, because mm-hmm. Only a Fool, which was does that. kind of the best, the best example of that on album one, yeah. isn't it? But you see that what they also have in common for me, and I'm willing, I, I want you to prove me wrong about this because I want to love this song rather than just like it. But what I think this has in common with Only a Fool as well is that the lyrics are like not specific; they're not honed enough for the target to be clear. So you have a, so mm-hmm. it's like an, it's a, it's a sense, isn't it? There's a sense that we're we're hitting on some dark subjects here, but you don't really have a clear idea of who the person addressed is in the song, the person or or people. Like, is it is it addressed to an individual or to a group of people? We know that Donald Fagan doesn't like them, and that he thinks they're a bit shallow, and that the Razor Boy is going to come and tear them down. But it's like, who are these people? The lyrics. Okay, I'm going to jump right in and defend this song against your preemptive argument Mm -hmm. which is because you said as you said with only a fool that you said only a fool did not have a clear target and thus it was an unsuccessful lyric Mm. now i think this lyric more so than only a fool so i'm not excusing only a fool here your argument is is valid i think this lyric is really deliberately being impressionistic Mm -hmm. i think it's hinting at vice yeah and and nefarious things without ever quite saying it. Yeah. And it's notable 
for instance, that nobody or hardly anyone has has, a, has attempted their own exegesis on Genius.com? Well, if you go on Song Meanings, uh, songmeanings.com, there's three pages of exegesis. Yeah, but songmeanings.com is for like, it's for Primus fans who want to know what Winona's Big Brown Beaver's about and <laughs> far, attach far too much like. <laughs> Yeah, credo to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, not that genius is much better, but mm. you know what I'm You're saying. Being very is that, snooty. Yeah, oh, I am being a little snooty, but oh, but I think this. I don't think this lyric aims for understandability as its primary goal. Mm-hmm. It's just a vibe. All I have is questions. I haven't really, in my notes, I should say, I don't have any like firm things. Um, so I can pose questions to you, or if you want to kick us off with your own reading. No, I just think it's a it's a, it's a vague attack on sort of social climbing, materialism, complacency, which are somehow rolled together with sexual availability in a slightly queasy way. And they're saying, yeah, you enjoy your vapid life, but eventually a nightmarish figure that sort of uh, combines every form of misfortune and death itself is going to come and knock you down. That's all I've got. Okay. Like beyond that, I, I have nothing. So the social climber, mm-hmm. we're talking about a social climber because you say... You'd gamble or give anything to be in with the better half. But how many friends must I have to begin with to make you laugh? Yeah, yeah. it implies a sort of snobbery. What else did you say? Uh, like... Loose living or something. Uh, I said it was. It seemed to be rolled into, as in, it, it seems to be an attack on shallowness or vapidity. Like you're being, you're going through the motions of being nostalgic. I hear you are singing a song of the past. I see no tears. I know that you know it may be the last for many years. Because your view of the past is rose-coloured, rose-tinted. Okay. And there's materialism because it's your fancy things which are going to be taken from you. I mean, if, if you have a rose-tinted view of the past, it implies you, you have an emotional connection to the past. Yeah. You've over-emotionalised it. That would be saying that like you're singing a song of the past without really having any kind of connection to that thing. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. But I, but guess, then... you are, I guess a song of the past implies, to me anyway, like so, that implies nostalgia. Yeah. And if you are if you are looking into the past and you are not crying, it's like you're not taking the world seriously enough, is how I took it. And then you mentioned also that that's rolled also into sexual availability. Mm-hmm. So what gave you the idea of sexual availability? Uh, well, I was quite horny. And also... Uh-huh. Um, I guess only women in cages can stand this kind of night. Implies like so, cage dancing. Mm-hmm. So it could. So it's like women are trapped by their own sexuality, and also there's but the I mean, line that, about that's only one. If that's where you got the sexual availability idea, that's only one. You think no tomorrow will come when you lay down. You can't refuse. So that could be saying you're living in an eternal present with no heed for for the morrow, but when you die, when you lay down to die, you can't refuse. Like it's the inevitable full stop to your life. Or it could be saying, you are playing down your own, like, shallowness, and when you lay down with a man, you can't refuse because you are, like, giving yourself up to him. 
yeah, okay. Um, so I think I think you've attached one particular reading to it. No, no, and... I'm saying it's I'm saying it's 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 shooting off in different directions. It's, it's just like what's a, what am I trying to communicate with this uh, hand motion? Well, f- you're trying to communicate. <laughs> you know, uh... you're just like <laughs> you're just spraying bullets everywhere, hoping that something's gonna hit. I am no uh, old uh, fakes. Well, you know that's not necessarily a problem. Um, well, first of all, let's get really kind of analytical here. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we even assume it's a woman he's talking to? Uh, because it says, but how many friends must I have to begin with to make you laugh? As we know, Donald Fagan was a sex pest. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is, proje- that is, okay, I admit, that is projection on my part. It could be a man. Uh, I am assuming a level of sexism, which is it's unfair for me to ascribe, based on dirty work. And what's the other, the other, um, the other one? Reading in the ears. Uh-huh. Okay. So, okay, but, sure. You know, the, Maybe he's singing to the 60s generation. He says, uh, he uses the women in cages metaphor, mm-hmm. which kind of implies that he's saying you are a woman in a cage of steel or metaphor. Mm. Or, yeah, like, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is talking to a woman. He's not necessarily making a comparison to her own situation. I'm not saying he isn't or he is. But mm. what I'm saying is there's there are few clues, and for me that is a strength of the lyric and not a... I was thinking, I was trying to think, why do the fancy things make me assume that she's a woman? I guess it's because that would be... If this was a sexist song about a woman, it's like Hamlet railing against Ophelia's makeup, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you're, you're so... You, you dole yourself up and you, you adorn yourself with bags and rings and whatever, but you're still going to die. You know, I guess mm-hmm. I saw it in that uh, light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, so this is making thing... this is making me think. I am I am assuming a lot about Donald Fagan's sexual politics based on dirty work, which has been sung by women. It's been sung by the Pointer Sisters, and reading in the ears. I mean, not to not to do the it was different back then defense, mm. but there are. It's not un, it's not unusual among songs by rock bands in the early 70s to have a song like Dirty Work. Sure. But I don't think you should take the attitude of Dan on their kind of throw everything at the wall album debut, mm-hmm. Can't Buy a Thrill, and say this is the voice of Dan forthwith. Right. You know. But also, just to, just to yeah, yeah. The, the Razor Boy, you have to kind of go, I guess this is the next big question, who's the Razor mm. Boy? But... Razors are used for cocaine, yeah. amongst other things. So, you know, the Razor Boy could be cast as this kind of modern Mac the Knife death figure. Mm. You know, he is the Grim Reaper yeah. in, in the body of a... Street tough. A street tough shanking his way through life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Razor Boy could be a manifestation of cocaine, or it could be, you know, yeah. uh, many other things. Um, well, that's the thing I like about the song, is because I think the, the Razor Boy is very, like, compressed... As it's rolling together, like death, addiction, violence, maybe suicide, because you might slit your wrists mm-hmm. with a razor, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty smart. And I also like the cold and windy day because it's quite sort of it has a sort of mundane bleakness about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't know what the rest of it is is saying. It's just hinting, isn't it? Yeah, but if it, if the whole song was Razor Boy, it would just be. 
Razor boy, razor boy, razor boy, razor boy. Yeah, I mean, there's, razor boy. There's a, there's a middle ground, isn't there? <laughs> uh, but but just again, okay. So look, it was through that lens, just to go back over to like you know, you think to, no tomorrow will come when you lay down. Mm-hmm. You automatically cast that in a sexual context. No, no, that I said it's ambiguous. It like, could be it could be saying you are you you're, you're living in the present so totally that you think no tomorrow will come. However, when you inevitably die or fall prey to misfortune. Or you're living for the moment, like uh, you think no tomorrow will come when you lay down. If we go back to the, the fact she's singing a song, when we, when we start the lyrics, I hear you are singing a song of the past, I see no tears. Is, that, is, is Donald actually, is Donald and Walter, we should say, we shouldn't pin this all on Donald, but mm. are, are they saying... You're using nostalgia as a crutch, like you're getting too old for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is this a kind of you know? Well, it's somebody, whoever it is, society, it, whoever person. it is, they are in denial because they're not crying, and they should be because they're, you know, selling their soul for a, a mere bonbon. <laughs> uh, and also that you know, you know that the coming is so close at hand. You feel all right. Feels very dismissive. It's like you know, you know everything's falling apart, either for you personally or on a broader scale. But you feel alright, you know. One day, these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. So, the central ambiguity for me is: is he saying that the person he's singing to is a woman in a cage? Because it's like you're singing a song of the past. You know, it's not going to last. But you feel all right. You seem that you you know you're not crying. You seem fine about it. I guess only women in cages can stand this kind of night. That could imply. Well, it's only because you're trapped. It's only because you're like in a cage, metaphorical or literal, that you are able to tolerate the situation you are in. Do you see what I mean? He could be saying the opposite, which is like uh, only a woman in a cage could stand this. So ultimately, you're going to realise the situation you're in and not stand it anymore. See what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, that is like that is doing for me what the Razor Boy line is doing for you when you praise the Razor Boy line mm-hmm. for wrapping yeah. a lot of ambiguities into a tight into a tidy phrase. Like that for me is the best line of the song. Right. Okay. It's a really memorable line, and it and it, yeah, and it really yeah. just kind of it instantly hints at like myriad possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I just uh, so, I don't know how much to credit him yet them I yeah. don't have much to credit them yet because I still don't feel like we've had like an absolute like stonking lyric personally I think there's been like little cool little phrases or nice vivid little images or whatever but there's not one lyric by Steely Dan which I think is like I would hold up as a really tight effective lyric well you see okay so my opinion mm. and we're, we're sort of moving on to the racing mm-hmm ish now but like my opinion is that this is the first great steely dan lyric right but i think part of the problem <laughs> i'm scared would be i think part of the problem yeah. is 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 perhaps that we are looking for slightly different things in lyrics like i um i love lyrics that are kind of like ambiguous as their mo you know right yeah like it's 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 all about pointillist vagaries Mm-hmm. Whereas I think I think you like uh, you like a lyric as a tight piece of 
prose that can be. Yeah, but I like ambiguity. Joy, isn't it? So, what's your problem with this ambiguity, Buster? I just don't think he knows what he doesn't like. I think he's flailing. No, I don't. I think he's he's thrashing around. He's just like, look at all these dickheads. He's just firing blanks into a crowd. Okay, well, it's okay, look, like... I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite that. So, what if that is the case? Then how how is this less valid as a lyric if he's coming from a place of kind of impotent confusion and thrashing? Like, isn't this a an effective way of describing that state of being? Um, no, because it could be that he does have a clear target in mind, but is unable to communicate it because he's not a very good lyricist. As in, you're being look, you're being charitable because you love Steely Dan, and you're assuming no, I'm being charitable because you like the lyric because you like the lyric, yeah, because I like the lyric, yeah. Sure, but you're but but you're you're still you're still bringing to it the assumption that Donald Fagan knows what he's doing, or sorry, Donald Fagan and Walter Beckett know what they're doing. I think that this lyric has some good little nuggets that caught my ear and they made me think, (laughs) but. Ultimately, I don't have faith yet that it's like controlled ambiguity or uncontrolled ambiguity. Slam or scam. Um, so, I, 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 believe it or not, I've sort of been holding back. So you go first. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to hear what you think of this song. It's a soft slam. It's a soft slam. It's a very, very nice, tasty treat. And I enjoyed it a lot. It's kind of it's kind of unassailable for what it is. You know what I mean? So I can't unlike sail the water away, which is very saleable. Very, sa- very saleable indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, what I mean is, it's hard to pick any holes in it as a piece of music because it's just very ex- extremely well executed and nice. I would happily listen to it mm. all day, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 it intrigues me a lot because, like we were saying, we were talking about the music because it it it's made me curious about the rest of the album because it's such a left turn from Body Sattva, so that's mm-hmm. promising. That's good, uh, but you know that's it really. It's not a slam. It's not like reeling the years. I was like mentally pogoing. Yeah. You know this. I was mentally. What was I doing? It's kind of like like making a salad dressing or something. Just like oh this yeah, yeah, this okay. is yeah nice nice way to spend the time. I, I hate making salad dressings, but yeah, anyway. it was a bad example because you can just get them in a bottle. <laughs> so I, okay, so here's a question for mm. you because we mentioned earlier that this is kind of an analog to Only a Fool, yeah, from the first album, kind of lyrically, but more more in terms of musical structure and. I just want to know if you prefer Only a Fool to this. Well, I guess you've answered your own question because you called you were gushing about Only a Fool. Well, but I don't know. I love Only a Fool, but Only a Fool. I wonder if there's like a drug analogy. It's like Only a Fool. <laughs> I haven't taken enough drugs to make a drug analogy. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, what I mean is like Only a Fool is just like a, a hit of sugar. It's just like a, an instant head rush. Whereas this is more of a like, you know, it's like lulling you. Like a waterbed or a, a, a hot tub. Yeah. You're like, you're yeah. in it and you're surrounded by the bubbles and you're like, oh, this is uh, this is nice. But it's not like fucking yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe. You, you said you spent three months with Bodhisattva mm. and, it, and, it, and it made you 
unbelievably annoyed <laughs> and and like yeah. and bored of the song. Yeah. I wonder if he didn't spend enough time with Razor Boy. Yeah, potentially. You know, it needs a it, it does need a little a little bit of time to crack. But yeah, I was just curious to know because you know, Only a Fool is very much a pop slammer. Yeah. You know, whereas this is in my opinion, something like Only a Fool done better mm. with, with 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 more um oniony layers. Mm. Well it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is like a, a, a grower. Absolutely. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Because like I think basically with, with album one I was just looking for things to enjoy <laughs> in a sea of mm-hmm. things that I didn't especially enjoy. Uh do you know what I mean? Whereas if, as mm-hmm. you have predicted, mm-hmm. I fully embrace this album, I reckon this will eventually be part of the delicious stew. Well, I hope so. Mm. I, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm erratic. Admit, I was expecting I? you. I was expecting you to love Razor mm. Boy, be, uh, and just to just to move swiftly into my own rating, mm. <laughs> this is an absolute slam. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best Steely Dan songs, yeah. I think. This is. <laughs> this is us, this is. A, this is the first appearance, I think, of like the real voice of Steely mm. Dan. Like this is Steely Dan going. They're hitting on that perfect stew of elegant music mm. and obtuse and suggestive lyrics mm. that makes Steely Dan what Steely Dan is, which we only saw flashes of on album one. But this is like this is like it. Yeah. Well, I, more or less fully formed. I think I said already. This is the first one that sounds that doesn't remind me of other things straight away. Mm-hmm. So that's very mm-hmm. promising because it's kind of singular sounding. Also, one thing I didn't mention is that I think I don't massively like Fagan singing on this, but he's shed the uh, the Dylanisms. Like he's not. He's yeah. not. He doesn't sound like he's straining or impersonating Dylan. He sounds mm-hmm. like his own his own beast, um, and I don't find it like enchanting but also it, it feels like yeah, a, it say, feels like you stroke that beast <laughs> I would not stroke I would eye it carefully from across the compound <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's getting there it's getting there you know it feels it feels good fully realized and singular and it's very nice um and and I think I think the reason the reason that I have called it a soft slam is probably because I we have analyzed the lyrics you know what I mean if you just played it to me, I'd have been like, oh, the lyric sounds kind of interesting, you know. But we've kind yeah. of dissected yeah. the frog and the frog is dead, you know. Yeah, 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 poor frog. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Ollie reporting here from the editing room with the sad news that the frog is still dead. However, if you'd like to honour its memory, you can do so by following us on social media. We're on most things as Countdown to Exegesis or on Twitter as Exegesis Pod. And Andrew posts the hottest Steely Dan memes to come out of the English Midlands. If you really want to honour the frog and in fact fund the frog's funeral, you can throw us some money on our new Patreon, um, which you'll find at patreon.com slash countdown to exegesis and there'll be some goodies on there soon for you until then thanks for listening and hope to see you next week bye bye